Welcome to Books for Good Trouble, a San Diego Public Library podcast. Today, we catch up with a librarian whose work in activism connects with the themes and issues explored in the award-winning literature of Valeria Luiselli. This episode is part two of two. Hey folks, Bob here. Welcome to episode two of our Books for Good Trouble series. In today's show, we hang with SDPL Supervising Librarian of Youth and Family Services, Addie Huertas. For several years now, Addie has worked with unaccompanied migrant children here in San Diego, providing literacy tools and other library-related resources. This episode is part two of our Valeria Luiselli feature. If you haven't yet heard part one, you can find it in our feed. Why did you come to the United States? I asked children in immigration court. Their answers vary, but they often point to a single pull factor. Reunification with a parent or another close relative who migrated to the U.S. years earlier. Other times, the answers point to push factors. The unthinkable circumstances the children are fleeing. Extreme violence, persecution and coercion by gangs, mental and physical abuse, forced labor, neglect, abandonment. It is not even the American dream they pursue, but rather the more modest aspiration to wake up from the nightmare into which they were born. Valeria Luceli, tell me how it ends. My name is Adi Huertas. I use pronouns she, her, hers, ella. I am the daughter of Guillermina Alvarez Salgado, the granddaughter of Maria Concepcion Salgado Alvarez. I am the great-granddaughter of Maria de la Luz Alvarez Abarca and Agustina Tafoya Lopez. And I start my introduction centering these women because these are the shoulders that I stand on. These are the pillars for me. And these are the women that that have nourished me and continue to guide me both here on earth and in spirit. For work, I am the Supervising Librarian of Youth and Family Services at San Diego Public Library. So tell me about your current work and how you use it to affect change. So currently, my work centers around youth services. So what I do is I system-wide help coordinate programs for children and teens and uh, support our libraries that are in different communities, serving different communities, and also just um, helping with policies and and what our library system wants to prioritize in terms of of those services. Some of the work that I do also touches on the priorities that I put in a lot of the work that we do, again, serving those that are the most impacted in our communities and having opportunities to bring awareness and conversations to social justice issues, to civic engagement. So currently the project that I'm involved with is Books for Good Trouble, Social Justice Dialogues, addressing a lot of these conversations through literacy and kind of inspiring that through books that are written by the folks that have these lived experiences, um, authors of color. So bringing that awareness and literacy as a starting point to having these important conversations. So tell me, tell me your story um, and specifically what events or series of events happened that inspired you to take action in your career? What brought you here? I know that you once uh, were speaking about youth experiences. 
Yeah, so I uh, I was born in the United States, but I I moved my family moved to Mexico when I was really young. So my early childhood up to right around the beginning of my teen years, I lived in Tijuana. And I came back to the United States right around almost beginning of, of junior high time. And I did not speak English. So that was my first experience in the United States. The priority was to learn to speak the language and kind of catch up in that way. You know, coming to this country as, a, as, as an older youth and not knowing the language, that was a priority. But it also kind of impacted my experiences in school at a very early age. So right before junior high, sixth grade was when I was learning English. I was an ESL student and I had this this, this is kind of what I can pinpoint where my first involvement in the United States with <laughs> activism, what I, I, which I wouldn't think that that was an activist move per se back when I was in sixth grade. But one thing that was happening is that the ESL students were not allowed to play nine square at recess with the rest of the students. And the excuse that was what the other students were saying is that the ESL students shouldn't play because they didn't know the rules because they didn't know English. They didn't understand the language. And I knew exactly what what they were saying. And honestly, this is kind of funny, but the ESL students, whenever we played, we were like beating everybody at the game. So, So I'm not necessarily convinced that that was the case, but I was really upset and it was really impactful because I just kind of felt discrimination really from my peers. So I ran to the teacher. I told her what was happening. I wanted to fix the problem. So in my broken English, I was just like, this is what's happening. And I'm not sure how to articulate this, but it's not fair and it's not right. And she, to my surprise, said, okay, so so what are you going to do about it? I, as a kid, am expecting the teacher to, <laughs> to uh, take care of the problem. But she said, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how this makes you feel. Your peers need to know how this makes you and the other students feel. And I will help you put this into words and even put this into writing because we need to have these conversations. I'm never going to forget that instructor, Miss Love was her name, which is very fitting for her. She was such a kind, kind teacher. Um, I get emotional talking about, about that, going back to that experience, but um, Miss Love helped me find my, my broken English voice and, and kind of speak out against what was really what I considered not fair and injustice really and racist. And so I started writing with Miss Love and then the ESL students had like an opportunity to have like a feature on the school newspaper that kind of started with like bringing awareness to how that was impacting us. But really, we started having like our little Bernie B uh, slot on the newspaper just to talk about like what the ESL students were learning, what our experiences were. And then other students started contributing to it as well, and English and Spanish. So it was kind of nice to have that, that bilingual space in the newspaper. But I just knew something was wrong. And that was like my first time, like, and I couldn't stay quiet. That was kind of my first time getting involved in what I would say some sort of activism. Tell me about your work with the young people that found themselves at the convention center in 2020? So my work with serving unaccompanied youth really started in 2014 when we started seeing a larger influx and then we started seeing more in the media of unaccompanied youth coming into the United States. And that started with Reforma Children in Crisis. Reforma is the a national um, organization to promote services to Latino and Spanish-speaking communities. Uh, Reforma wanted to respond to the crisis and created this initiative 
and that received support from the American Library Association and from other from other organizations financially as well to bring books and really we wanted to bring backpacks and books, kind of other things that might be like of immediate need for the youth. But it started with books. And the, the idea was for when the youth were in like these detention facilities and these shelters for them to have a a distraction, to have something to kind of escape with during this tumultuous time. So that started in 2014. We started working with different facilities, with shelters, try to get into like detention facilities. That was a little bit challenging and they only kind of allowed allowed us to like send the books. But a lot of the shelters opened their doors for us to bring in the books, bring in resources. And then some of them locally here started collaborating with the library to bring students to the library as a field trip. And we would conduct these like two hour tours, introducing the library for a lot of youth. Public libraries are not the same in their countries like they are here in the United States. We wanted to introduce the library as a welcoming space, you know, and kind of move away from like being identified as a, as a space by the government that's not a trustworthy space, but as a welcoming space where they could get the resources and information that they might need, the technology, library cards, so anything to support their education and their needs in terms of information to come to the library. So we would do a thorough introduction, a tour, get students involved with activities. Every um, youth that came through would leave with the book. It was really important for us to get support to be able to give the books to youth so that they could have something of their own. When you're coming and you don't have anything and you're, you're new in a space, having something that belongs to you is something is something that could be really important, really meaningful. And we didn't want to take that away. We didn't want to just lend the books. We wanted them, we wanted the youth to be able to keep the book. And we actually put a book plate inside the books that says this book belongs to me. And then in English and Spanish, and they can write their name with a card that says anywhere that you go in the United States, visit your local library for, for these basic resources. Fast forward to 2020. Sorry, that was a long kind of explanation. The city started receiving, I can't even remember how many um, thousands of unaccompanied youth. I can't remember the exact amount now at the convention center. And we were responding to that crisis and that situation. So I worked with a local educator and a couple of other librarians to create a library space at the convention center. So at the convention center, there was screening process. The, it was temporary shelter for about three months, and they had other activities and some educational component as well during the time that the youth were housed there temporarily. So what I worked with, another main educator who was there, she was actually part of an organization who was there all the time. And I started going after work and on weekends doing shifts at what we created, which is La Biblioteca, the little library, where we would have the books available for youth to come and keep if they wanted to keep them. And we would do story times and other activities with the youth, just kind of telling stories or reading stories to the younger ones. It was mostly teens. So a lot of time we did storytelling, but that was just kind of like hearing from them, what are, what do you want and, and what kind of books interest you? And then making those, those books available the next time the Biblioteca was open. So we had like regular open hours, mainly in the, in the evenings and on weekends to be able to support the youth, or at least I was mainly there on during those times after work. So what would you like to see change? Huh, there's I, I would love to see a, a, a change in our, you know, immigration policies and our systems 
but that's going to be a, a long-term change. And I understand that, but what I'd like to see change. And I think that we could all contribute is filling those holes and really, and I know that um, Valeria Luceli and, and her work, you know, when she's in terms of tell me how it ends at the very end, I think that it's summarized really well about how individuals, although we have a flawed system and we have holes and we have a lot to change individuals with a sense of responsibility and, you know, just this humanitarian calling all of us can affect that change. All of us can try to plug in those holes where we can and get involved, even if we're just learning about stories and retelling the stories so that other people can become more aware. The stories need to continue to be told, but I think we could all look at places where we could bring in our skill set and we can bring in what, what we can offer and see how that could play a role to be able to support our refugee asylum seeking communities and especially our youth during very traumatic, tumultuous times. I think we could all answer that call in different ways, whether it's educating within our communities, whether it's directly responding to it, whether it's getting more formally involved with with services. I think what I'd like to see is for all of us to be part of that change. What direct actions can people take to affect change in their lives, whether it be career direction, activism, personal choices, et cetera? One, like we could raise awareness, you know, we can have conversations in our families, in our spaces, in our schools about these issues and really diving deeper into these issues and seeing how we can affect those changes. You know, we open the doors at our library as a welcoming space and the libraries are a perfect place to be able to have those conversations and to bring community together and to inspire civic engagement. And you can also join some of this humanitarian work. There's a lot of organizations that need support, that need help, that need folks that bring in different skills, whether it's a a language skill, whether you have mental health I mean, everybody needs mental health, you know, mental health background or social work or, or uh, legal background. I mean, there's just so many different ways that we can get involved. We can raise awareness, raise funds. I mean, all the things, but I think that there's opportunities at every level, right? We can affect policy and, and change policy and write policy. And, you know, so it, it starts from the conversation in, in your home or in your living room or with your closest folks to changing policies and maybe even running this country. But uh, locally here in San Diego, we're, I know we're talking about folks that are doing a lot of this uh, humanitarian work uh, against detention centers or in, in these shelters in these areas of support. We have a list when we do our social justice dialogues, we provide a list of, of different organizations that are doing this type of work. I mean, the ACLU is doing that at a national level, but here locally, we also have the Union del Barrio. And I'm, I'm reading from this list right now. We have the Pueblo Sin Fronteras. We have the AFT Immigrant Support Committee, uh, Espacio Migrantes, Free Them All. And and libraries, libraries can do a lot of things. And we've been doing a lot of things. And then formally, I mentioned the Reforma Children in Crisis Project. That's a national initiative that can support with literacy for youth. So there's there's a lot of opportunities. And I think that that we can all be a part of that. That's going to do it for this episode of Books for Good Trouble. I'd like to thank our guest, Addie Huertas. Also, thanks again to Eddie Chavez for narrating. If you'd like to find out more about the Books for Good Trouble program, please see our show notes or visit us at www.sandiego.gov forward slash SDPL podcast. 
This project is supported by the U.S. Institute of Museum and Library Services under the provisions of the Library Services and Technology Act, administered in California by the State Librarian.